Netcasts you love. From people you trust. This is Twit. Bandwidth for Tech News Today is provided by Cashfly at C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com. is Tech News Today for Wednesday, May 18th, 2011. Tech News Today is brought to you by FreshBooks, the easy online invoicing service that gets you paid quickly and makes you look professional. Get started with a free package at freshbooks.com. Welcome to Tech News Today. I'm Sarah Lane. I'm Ayaz Akhtar. And I'm Jason Howells. Yes! Yes. We did I it. Think we, yeah, we made it. It's the trifecta of awesome. <laughs> That's one way to put it. Except that we are missing Tom Merritt, who's obviously still on vacation. It's Wednesday, so we're on the hump day of a Tom Merritt free week. That's things, going pretty well. Things are going okay. Yep. Mm-hmm. We haven't gotten any angry emails from him yet, so I, I think that he's either oblivious or proud. Hey. <laughs> he's still writing, way, I'm happy. Or he's still yeah. writing one really long email. <laughs> right. It's still going in draft mode. Yes, we're like, like, <laughs> and then on Wednesday... Let's start the bullet points. Uh, this, of course, is the show where we kick around the tech news of the day and try to figure it all out. Yeah, try to make it, some sense of it. Give it a curb stomp and then yeah, it's done. We kick it to the curb and then we go home. Or we it's talk about show. the same things over and over again, like the PlayStation Network. Right. We don't try to talk about the same things this over and over This is not a goal. They just make it too easy. So, what's, right. what's the latest? Okay, the latest is a website called. <laughs> <laughs> Nylevia, I don't even know how to pronounce this. It's a, it's a, it's a blog. It's a blog. A blog that's a not very well blog. known. And uh, they, found an, they found a PSN exploit. So here's how this works. The hack is somebody could change your password if they had the account's email and your date of birth. Okay, so if they knew what your date of birth was, which would, I mean, if they had been part of the original uh, hacker team mm-hmm. that stole information, they would have that. But you can also get someone's birth date many different other ways especially if they're you know don't have super high privacy settings on something like facebook for example right. and then the email address that they just use to associate with their accounts right so that so the thing is a bunch of other sites have confirmed this was an exploit and sony of course said okay this is a problem so what they did was they they basically shut down web access to the psn and curiosity so if you wanted to change your password on their websites you can't do that and they say they have fixed it sony says they've fixed the problem but they haven't brought the websites up yet. Yeah, so if I mean, you're looking a, at it right now. It's still down. If, if you, you have try a to PS, log in. PS3, you can still use your PS3 to change your password. So that still works. It's just another another black eye for Sony again. It's only like been two days. Well, and it's an embarrassing one too. It's like, geez, really? I mean, someone can just get your password by knowing an email address associated with your account and your birth date? That's not very secure. I mean, you could almost guess and get that right with 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 some folks. I, I mean, assume, was this an issue before all of this happened? Was this also uh, potentially exploitable before? Well, I guess it was. Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure why it's getting attention now, except to just kind of throw right. Sony except under the bus a little totally bit. Now it's totally under the microscope. You know, sure. nylevia.com. It's spelled a little bit weird, but we're just going to kind of guess that that's how it's it's phonetically pronounced. They, they also admitted, because um, they were the folks that um, blew the lid off of this uh, latest hack, which, by the way, some folks are saying, this isn't a hack. This is just, you know, social engineering, you know, an exploit of sorts. But I would would kind of say, yeah, it's not a hack as in Sony's servers were hacked, but you're still hacking into accounts potentially. So I don't really know. It's a vulnerability. And and the the simple thing is, if you want to see if you've been affected, 
you probably would receive an email from Sony saying, hey, your password's been changed. Like if right. you've done it with any other service, you get that little notification email. And that's what 9Levia got too. They, they got that little notification. So Sony's on top of this and I don't know when their site's going to be back up. But the PlayStation Network is still accessible. You can still do online games and everything. So it's not as bad as the 26-day outage. But good news, in Japan, since they never had the restoration anyway... This problem's going to be solved before it even starts up again. Yeah, everyone's like, it's just it just doesn't affect me because I can't get in anyway. Um, and Olivia has, uh, they also admitted that some folks were saying, listen, why did you post about this instead of just contacting Sony, letting them know that this was a, this was an issue, be quiet about it, and uh, you know, don't, don't uh, encourage unsavory folks to exploit this. And they said, well, you know, I mean, this is also something that could be exploited anyway without us saying anything. And, and we did contact Sony, but we're, we're letting the public at large know as well. So. And partially they did it so that Sony would respond faster because right. they were being inundated anyway. Right. So they probably were like, eh, who's this email from this little, this little place? <gasps> it's on Google News. Yeah. Gotta fix it. You know, should people, be, should people be signing up for email addresses for something like the PlayStation Network that you literally don't use for anything else? Well, I guess that's a, that's a I mean, way that's, to go. It's a way to go, but I mean, that's a pretty... I mean, I'm, I kind of do that with uh, Gmail. You can do that, you know, plus whatever. So you can have your right. your account name or you can have variations on that. And that way you have an alias. You have this uh, almost untrackable kind of thing. Or you yeah. can track it when you have filters. So if you're going to sign up for PSN again, um, maybe set up a new email account. Well, on to uh, Google vulnerabilities. Uh, yesterday we reported that uh, there was a security flaw for Android users. Anybody under, what, point 3.4? 2.3.4 was safe. Everything, right. Anything older under than that, that, not so well. Yeah, so there's like uh, calendar issues, contact syncing, um, and it was it was uh, further an issue because depending on who your carrier is, you may not be able to upgrade even if you want to, which is mm-hmm. obviously an ongoing issue with Android in general. Well, apparently Google has 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 fixed this flaw. So hackers could have access to, you know, again, like I said, calendars and contact web, web albums, things like that. Um, they've created a server-side patch, which means that Android users don't actually have to do anything. So if you're one of those people saying, listen, I want to update my Android version, but I can't, it's okay. You don't have to do anything. You just have to keep using Android and the service is actually updated to at least fix this uh, specific patch rolling out now anyway so not everybody is is totally protected maybe as of taping right now but uh, Google's expecting have to, the, the patch rolled out completely by the end of the week so again you don't have to do anything so it's kind of a nice okay how am I supposed to handle this am I supposed to attach it to a computer am I supposed to just try to work with my carrier it's all done on Google's side so hopefully people who are worried about this you don't have to worry about it for very long and good on Google for actually being very quick to respond and getting this done I mean mm-hmm. this was, okay. we were talking about this yesterday and today, it's already been... Well, fixed. good on Google, but I mean, anything else would be... PlayStation Network? Well, yeah. I mean, it's like, <laughs> it's like they needed to fix this yeah, immediately. They absolutely. didn't really have a choice. I mean, it's like, I hate to like pat them on the back for... Well, they're probably busy with Google I.O. last week, and they're like, eh, right. we'll get to we're it. Just, we're just busy, Eventually. you guys. Well, Sarah, you brought up a really good point in prep, which was, you know, they, did, they made this change... And it's server side, so you know, these, these updates don't have to be you know updated in in a particular Android version. It's just kind of happening on the back end. Are there other things that Google could do to kind of fend off uh, fragmentation of you know whatever that issue is and how deep that that is involved in Android? Are there other things that they can do server side 
that can maybe improve the experience. I would, yeah, I'd love to know if Google has the ability to do this and just reserves these sorts of patches for really extreme security issues mm-hmm. because for whatever reason it's it's too intensive on their end because it's like, hey, if they can just update folks server side, maybe we don't have to worry so much about these over the air updates that don't work and carriers and 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 well, incompatibility issues. Partially this was because you were logging into Google services and they were right. sending out the, the tokens, authentication mm-hmm. tokens. So that they have actual control over that particular right. element. You're not running your Android server off the cloud. Right. <laughs> or your, your Android uh, OS so off it, the cloud. It's so. them uh, actually addressing a problem they could solve directly right. f- without having to interfere with the phone, which is, uh, it's helpful. But I mean, it'd be nice mm-hmm. to see what else they could do. Yeah. Well, at Intel's investor meeting in Santa Clara, California, uh, Intel Software uh, and Services Group GM Renee James says, yeah, so Windows will run on ARM just fine, but not if you want legacy apps. If you're one of those people who cares about previous versions of Windows, go ahead and use ARM, but you're going to have to start from scratch. Yeah, Intel's telling all of all kinds of Microsoft secrets. So I don't know if there were secrets, but this wasn't something uh, Microsoft made known. This is Intel saying, hey, you know that partner we work with, Microsoft, they're having that new thing and it's going to be all hot. It's on ARM. No legacy apps. So if you take a look at something like Windows XP and beyond, Vista and, and, and 7, they have compatibility modes. So you could run applications that worked on 95, 98, whatever, right. and they would run fine. In this case, ARM isn't going to have any of these compatibility modes. What we're going to have is new applications built for this. Now, way back at CES, Microsoft showed off a demo. They said, hey, look, we have Microsoft Word working, mm-hmm. and we have these printer drivers. And they did say this, we recompile the drivers to do this. So maybe they'll make it easy, because I know there's all these rumors of the Windows App Store, or whatever they're going to call it. And these will, th- those will be the apps that can run on both platforms. Yeah, it's interesting how Intel is, I mean, they're the folks talking the, the, the most loudly, I guess, the loudest about this. Um, Miss, uh, Ms. James said, hey, on ARM, there's new experience, but it's specifically around mobile, specifically around tablets, some limited clanshell, no legacy OS. Our competitors will not be running legacy applications. Not now, not ever. This also makes sense why Intel said it during their investor meetings. It's like, hey, guys. We're still We're fine. Awesome. We're still yeah. awesome. Exactly. X86 is the way We're to gonna go. We're going to be on smartphones. And by the way, Windows will still run. And the serious power users will still use us. Intel. Yeah, I mean, Intel's, you know, they, they, Intel and Microsoft, their relationship goes back many decades, at least a couple. Um, you know, they've, they've, they, they say that they, they've done a lot of studies and, and people don't change their usage models that frequently. Um, you go back and look, and on average, 10 years between people changing their usage patterns, which obviously points to, yeah, sure, I mean, you know, the, the whole ARM architecture is great on one hand, but for, but for you know, most Windows users, they're just not, like, picking up and starting anew, starting afresh. The whole, uh, you know, tablet model, for example, is not really going to work for a lot of Windows folks, which I think has some bearing. It also like, gives us insight into Microsoft's plan. I mean... A lot of people thought Windows Phone 7 was a great idea for a tablet, but they didn't put it on a tablet, and they mm-hmm. changed the name from mobile to phone, so kind of locked it down. Uh, it looks like Windows 8 is going to be their tablet interface, and the idea that it's only going to be on ARM when it's on a tablet, and you probably won't see a lot of uh, regular laptop form factors or desktop form factors. Kind of an interesting look at Microsoft, even though Microsoft didn't actually say anything. Yeah. 
All right, got a lot more news coming up. But first, we want to take a moment to thank FreshBooks, who's our sponsor on this episode of TNT. We love FreshBooks because they allow small business owners or consultants or freelancers or, I don't know, maybe you have a lawn mowing service and you're just trying to get it off the ground and you want to be like in the now, and you know, the 21st century. FreshBooks is the online invoicing system that makes you look professional and helps you do your work and cut out all that busy work that is not fun when you invoice people. Believe me, I know. You can upload your company logo, you know, that kind of thing. So you can really kind of give it a polished look. Your clients can download PDFs of your invoices. Um, you can receive payments for invoices a variety of ways, PayPal or, or you know, through the mail or straight into your bank account. I mean, you have, you and your clients both have a lot of options um, in that realm. You can, um, you can set up automated late payment reminders. So if you've got a client who's like, owes you some money and you just don't want to be the bad guy and it's very uncomfortable and nobody really likes having that conversation, FreshBooks will kind of be bad cop for you so you don't have to do it. Um, again, if you if you, uh, if you have clients or even if you prefer things to go through this the snail mail route, that's fine. For a, for a very small fee, FreshBooks will print and mail your invoices to your clients and they'll even you know add a return envelope. It's good stuff. There's also FreshBooks iPhone app, so you can track your time and invoice. If you're a kind of person who's on the go, you're not always sitting in the same office in the same place all the time. Over 2 million users have been using FreshBooks since way back in 2004, so they've got a good track record. A lot of folks love them. Uh, if you, can try, you can try out uh, FreshBooks free for up to three clients. So if you're just getting some sort of a consulting business off the ground, it's free. And if you, if you want to add more clients, then they have really affordable rates as well. Also, we, we always have to mention that FreshBooks, they're cake people. Um, and I like a good cake company, mm-hmm. uh, companies who are, are cake friendly. Cake kind. Yeah. So mm-hmm. they, if you sign up for FreshBooks, you will be automatically entered into a drawing to win a cake. They're sending out cakes to people each week. We actually got a cake here because Tom signed up for a FreshBooks account. So we got a cake. It was a real cake. We opened it. We ate it. And it was delicious. And then they charged us for it. They billed us through FreshBooks. No, they didn't. No, exactly. that they didn't. It was free. But yeah. that would have been awesome. Yeah, exactly. And meta. It, and they, possible. They could have done it and put zero there as, as what we needed to send them. So. Yeah, so the birthday cake is kind of just a, you know, it's just yeah. sort of a fun added bonus. But again, awesome. you can sign cake. up for FreshBooks for free. It was such a good cake. Mm-hmm. Up to, uh, stays free for up to three clients. And um, it's just a great service. And we thank them so much for supporting this episode of TNT. Again, that's FreshBooks.com. All right, Ayaz. Would you like to talk about lawsuits, maybe? Well, I know you, know? you do, because oh, yeah. that's your thing, Not lawyer. Really. That's why I went into technology, because I wanted to avoid looking at you lawsuits. You went to law school and went, wait a second, lawsuits are hard. Lawsuits? Let's talk about <laughs> okay. the latest set of app developers are being sued over patent claims. Okay, This, this is another company called Macrosolve. We've been co- talking about a company called Lotsis, and they are sending out letters to app devs at the, uh, the people who use who make apps for iOS, right, and, and that's uh, that's mostly in-app payments. In-app payments. And, this is a different upgrade button. It's a different company. New story. Macrosolve is su- Macrosolve. Macrosolve. Is, not Microsoft. Right. Macrosolve is suing ten app development companies over patent infringements. Uh, the patent's kind of broad. Right. It covers the collection and transmission of data for questionnaires and puts them online. So that's kind of an odd one. And these lawsuits were filed in the Texas Eastern District in Tyler which apparently has a reputation for being very friendly to patent holders. Why do certain districts end up being more friendly? I mean, I assume this is something that if you're a patent holder, you probably figure this out sooner or later, that if you're going to file something, you would do it in this particular county in Texas. But 
How does that happen? I'll be the, I'll pretend to be a lawyer now and say <laughs> that, uh, well, judges are elected, so maybe yeah. they get some extra money from companies. This is just a guess and not mm -hmm. legal advice. These sorts of things may happen. It might. Is what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. So the the, the problem with, with the, the this patent that Microsoft claims folks are infringing on is, you know, it's, it's, you know, the patent's got, you know, nine letters long and it's entitled System and Method for Data Management. And as Aya says, it's, it's about collecting data um, that's stored on a server that's sent from mobile devices. Okay, well, the patent was filed in August 2003. It was only awarded last year in October. Okay, in 2003, mobile devices, we were in a very different world than we are now. So, I mean, I don't know how broad this is, but if I were to go to your blog and leave you a comment... And I sent the comment by browsing, you know, on Safari and going through and hitting send from my mobile device. And that information is stored on your blog server. I mean, it how broad might, are we talking about here? Because some, this could be extremely ridiculous right, I'm, I'm interpreted wait, the wrong way. I'm going to wait for the eventual awesome Nilay Patel uh, analysis on this <laughs> right. one because I'm reading this thing and it is dry. It is a very dry patent filing and... Um, yeah, if only patent filings could just be spruced up. Well, a the bit. other thing is, I mean, their patents have been given out for ridiculous things like anti-levitation devices and perpetual motion devices. Mm -hmm. I mean, that stuff's not possible right now, right. even though they're patents. So, uh, I think what's kind of funny about this is that the inventor is David Payne. So uh, that's great. Another Payne here. I just couldn't. I can't tell you what's going to happen with this, other than we're probably going to going to see the uh, this thing go to court because they have the lawsuits and. An appeal will happen. It's important to note, too, that LoadSys uh, applied just to iOS developers, at least mm -hmm. so far. MacroSolve has sued uh, some Android uh, app makers as well. Right, so this is beyond that. This is questionnaires with portable devices. So. Exactly. So, I mean, almost everybody can be under that umbrella. So that's, I mean, it's just, it's, it's kind of scary. If I was a developer... Um, and this, it's easy to, to read this stuff and go, gosh, this is so frivolous. These guys just want money. These are patent trolls, as Darren uh, was saying on Monday, you know, where he, he doesn't really have a high opinion of these folks. But it's like if they can get money out of people, especially small companies, or even in some cases just a single uh, person who's, who's made an app and is, is trying to do well, I mean, they can really shake up the landscape and in a bad way. I mean, if people can't, innovate and can't be creative for fear of being sued about you know and, and this is kind of legal speak that is something that was created many years ago where i mean the whole technology world was so different in 2003 i mean my gosh that's almost a decade ago you're looking at me and smiling because i know what your answer is is that's just not the way the law works sarah i, I no actually i was smiling because i was thinking these guys are more more patent trolls than lotus was because the first we heard of them was mm -hmm. hey we're suing you Right. And you're not supposed to do that. You're not supposed to sue outright first. You're supposed to say, actually contact them. What Losis was doing was actually the proper like ethical thing to do. You yeah. contact them and say, hey, guys, we think you are violating our patent. Pay us a license fee. I know mm -hmm. that sounds like trolling, but it's actually the nice way to do that. Because Microsoft, my, I want to say Microsoft. It's not Microsoft. It's not. Macrosolve is Macrosolve. suing these guys. Yes. So let's, let's be clear. They're, they're suing them in a really favorable court system. Well, I certainly hope that uh, the folks who are being sued... Um, are able to um, 
to 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 figure out if if they have a way out of this, if indeed they shouldn't be uh, sued. And for the loads loads folks, um, yeah, again, they'll have to uh, they'll have to come to some agreement. And obviously, Apple it, Apple's going to have to get involved in some way. Eventually, we're well aware that that they're aware of it, and and they haven't made any sort of official statements. There was there was sort of a rumor that um, some in app purchasing apps that had been submitted to the uh, the App Store the iOS app store were being held by Apple. Some folks were saying, oh, this is probably because Apple doesn't quite know what to do about this. They don't want other people to get sued. So they're just holding off on all of this stuff. But uh, apparently that's just coincidental. I mean, sometimes uh, apps get submitted and it takes a while for them to get approved. So so, so the lesson here again is since we can't, we're an abolishment of, of uh, patent law, as people are saying in the chat room, I don't think that's the answer. Uh, yeah, I mean, patents. Abolishing it is are, not the best way to go. I would suggest <laughs> since we have an election coming up, maybe try to pay attention to people's views on patents and copyright and IP law as well as budgetary stuff. Right. Uh, Speaking of iOS, they've been in the news quite a bit lately because Apple's been able to create relationships with a bunch of uh, uh, magazine entities uh, to allow in-app purchasing um, through, through the Apple App Store. And they've, you know, it depends, depending on who you talk to, it's great or it's bad for the uh, publishers because Apple takes big cuts. Um, it's the, 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 the publishers aren't able to get as much information necessarily from subscribers because they're going through the App Store and they're not going directly through Condé Nast, for example. Well, um, apparently uh, the Android newsstand is getting, I guess it's, it's, it's very first small, much smaller taste of this type of model, something called Hulu for magazines, which... That's a nickname. It doesn't really have anything to do with Hulu. It's just a way to to think of of being able to to uh, to have access to a lot of different magazines. It's actually a consortium uh, that includes Hearst, uh, a company called Meredith, who um, who makes a magazine called Fitness, and another magazine called Parents, Connie Nast, Time Warner's, Time Inc., News Corp., um, Esquire, and Popular Mechanics, The New Yorker, Fortune and Time, all fall under this. So you know, lots of interesting titles. Starting um, today, some Samsung Galaxy tablet users will be able to buy app versions of these magazines, which is cool. You know, initially we were like, hey, great. This is, I mean, Android users are kind of getting the same deal as as, um, as iOS users, except that that's not really true. They have to be Verizon customers and they have to purchase the apps through the Vcast app store. So Jason, I mean, you've got a Samsung tablet, but I, you're not uh, a Verizon customer. So it's like, no, I mean, we, we the, tried to access these apps before the show. And yeah, the tab I have is Wi-Fi only. So it's not going to be on any carrier. Yeah. It's just a Wi-Fi tab anyways. So be unfortunate if that was the case going forward. Have a hard time believing that yeah. it would be totally restricted to just VCast members. I would it's a think, very small group. I think it's probably just a way to ha- kind of have a small test group yeah, and right. see how things go and, mm-hmm. and if there's high demand or, or if, uh, on the other end, if there are issues, it's something that can be ironed out before it's opened up to the Android community as a whole. Well, Verizon could have paid them a little bit extra to get, get it first on top of that. And like you were saying, a small user group is going to be testing this out. I mean, it's weird because we've seen these magazine companies actually given to Apple's really onerous terms when it comes to subscriptions. Like, okay, you get 30% and, and mm-hmm. the, the, the user data isn't automatically given to the publishers. And so them introducing this for Android, at least they will have more control for them. So it's good for them. I don't know if people are going to be like, oh, I'm going to pick an Android device because I have Esquire. 
I don't know what kind of huge differentiation this is going to be. Yeah, exactly. And and by the way, that whole 70% to publishers, 30% to Apple, um, the Hulu for magazines hasn't even said what the percentage is going to be. They just said, hey, listen, publishers will get 70% of each transaction at least, at least, uh, the consortium has said so far. Also, um, which is a big differentiator, publishers will get full access to all subscriber information, including credit card numbers, which is something that Apple doesn't do, which is something that publishers have really had to had to compromise on. So that means you have potential for more spam, like actual snail mail spam. Yes. Because um, your data is free. I mean, but that's- then you have the potential for publishers who haven't already entered into an agreement with Apple to say, well, no. I mean, if, if, the, if it's proven that uh, enough Android users are going to be um, buying these magazine apps and subscribing, you know, monthly fees, it's like, well, they wouldn't necessarily want to give Apple the chance to withhold customer information. I'm kind of curious if with all the PlayStation Network and all that other problems out there, if people are going to now become very aware anytime they give data like that out and they go, okay, great. Now this company that I never dealt with before, they want my credit card information because I want to keep getting magazines. They want my address. You you don't know about the security now. So I wonder if this is going to be like once bitten, twice shy kind of thing. People will be very aware for the next 30 days. Exactly. And, and then they'll get lazy again and they won't care until right. the next thing. Well, it's just happens. a wave of care. It's yeah, exactly. Crash, it's a short crash. It's coming yeah. back. Pretty I sure. mean, all of the terms aside, I think it's great. You know, if you've got an Android tablet, smartphone, or whatever, you can um, read a magazine. Soon. Yeah, well, <laughs> only only a few people can right now. But I mean, it's it's it's, so it's the it's the early days of being able to 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 read some of your favorite content um, somewhere other than on an iPad, and a lot of people are happy about no that. No reading. I want to I want to look at video. <laughs> That's what I want to do. I want to look at YouTube. Well, many of these apps are multimedia experiences. I as or I could go to the YouTube and find out about politics, some more politics with YouTube's new YouTube Town Hall channel. So what's mm-hmm. what's the deal with this? Well, it's an interesting experiment from YouTube. If you take a look at, at it, it actually is very unique compared to other channels. Okay, on the top, we have a question about an issue. And mm-hmm. on the, in the middle there, we have opposing viewpoints, usually. So we have a representative there, Chris of Von Holen and Senator Jeff Sessions. And if you play one of the videos, they will actually answer whatever that question was above. And that one was about budgets. So the idea is you can click support and you can say, hey, this is the idea I'm behind. Now, mm-hmm. the, one of the cooler things about this whole YouTube channel is that they don't tell you if the person is a Republican or Democrat off the bat. You have to click support, and then they'll tell you, you've supported Republican this guy or whatever. So it's kind of an interesting approach to this. And the other thing is it doesn't look like any other YouTube channel I've seen. I mean, it's- Yeah, I mean, besides the YouTube logo in the upper left, um, for any of our audio listeners, the idea is, is that um, they're trying to raise awareness. Obviously, we've, you know, we're, we're coming up into a big election season. And so people's uh, views on a variety of topics that apply to us are really going to start mattering. So if you pose a question and then you've got nice embedded YouTube videos of, of, of two com- competing politicians answer the questions that, uh, as, uh, you know, as, the assumption is, is that you'll agree with one of their answers more than the other one and go, oh, yeah, no, I like this politician better than the other one. But to withhold what their party affiliation is, is more helpful to to keep everybody more honest, I guess. Yeah, if you want to find out or you find out who can speak better than the other person, you're like, well, that sounds reasonable. And you're like, oh, no, 
I'm a secret something. I'm a secret Democrat or a secret Republican. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, and you're like, oh, no, I had no idea I was like this. Now, you noticed on an iPad, you can't view this right now. It's, no, it's, it's not flash. HTML5 enabled. Um, well, I was strange. I, I, I usually read my tech news in the morning when I'm at the gym on my iPad. And I thought, oh, the YouTube, they're just announcing this. YouTube.com slash town hall isn't actually live yet because it didn't look like anything from my iPad. So, yeah, it's, it's flash only. I do like the... Um, the gamification of this. I, I mean, I hate to use that word. I know it's like the lamest buzzword ever right now, but it, 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 it kind of makes it a fun game, almost in the way that it, it, it makes it fun to, to get information and try to figure out whose side you're on, especially with stripping out that party affiliation stuff that sometimes um, keeps people from paying attention because they're like, I'm just a Republican or I'm just a Democrat, so I don't care what she has to say because she's not my party. I mean, maybe... You know, these people are interesting and it and it gives them uh, more of a voice, I guess. Yeah, there's a leaderboard so you can see what the top videos are. But then we were talking about potential concerns again. Now we're clicking support. Now Google has an idea of where your political affiliations are, potentially. So Google has an idea. Yeah, if you say I support this person mm-hmm. and not this person, uh, depending on, on whether they're conservative or liberal or, you know, anything in between, they have that information it doesn't appear that it's public. You know, right. like if I like a cat video, you can go to my account and my profile and see the videos that I've liked. You can't necessarily see that I've supported a certain politician based on uh, this town hall exercise. But Google does know that. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't I can't think of why I would really care, but I know some people would really targeted care. targeted ads. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right there. But yeah, there's, there, there doesn't seem to be any like log that you can see because I looked in my settings. You see your playlist of your liked videos. You don't see You've supported this, this, and this. Right. I mean, so uh, yeah. it depends if you're afraid. <laughs> Would you like to be reminded of your political affiliation? There you go. It turns out you <laughs> no, are. No, no, no. You supported him. <laughs> Those are the rules, all right? You yeah. play by the rules. All right. So uh, Microsoft is replacing Xbox 360s for some lucky Xbox 360 users, but they have to be older Xbox 360 users. Isn't that right? Something like that. There's a, a firmware update to the Xbox 360 that makes... Uh, certain discs incompatible with the consoles. And so Microsoft decided, you know what, we'll rewrite stuff. No, actually, that's not what they decided. They decided, hey, we'll just give you a free console. So they're going to, they're going to replace these affected models. They can actually check via Xbox Live to see if you have an affected Xbox. Hope I have an affected Xbox. Because uh-huh. you get a 250-gigabyte Xbox 360S console. So you get even they're not giving away the, the old ones or anything. This is the new slick one. So, I, I so have, they're basically circumventing... A big issue meltdown of a bunch of users saying, wait a second, my discs aren't playing. What's going on? This is BS. I'm so mad. They're just like, we're just going to give you a new model. It's fine. And you're just going to be happy. And it's, um, you know, we just make PlayStation look bad. They're going to be contacting users via email as well. So if you see an email that says we're going to give you a free Xbox, it might be real this time. Yeah, it's real. Not, that is true. Or you, there will be a whole bunch of phishing scams. So just be careful what you click on when you get this email, if you do get this email. And if you see the de- disk error and they haven't contacted you, Microsoft said to contact them via their Xbox.com support site. So if you've run to this problem, you might be getting a free Xbox. Now, you said that your Xbox 360 is a little bit older, so you're hoping to get this free upgrade. Yes. And why can't you find out if you're eligible or not? Well, I don't have my Xbox. 
Oh, that's that's right, because you just moved across the country. Yeah, my stuff is still showing up on Sunday. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. All my stuff's coming in a truck. Isn't moving the pits? It's so much fun. It's only like (laughs) the third or fourth move in six months. Oh, man. (laughs) Well, with that uh, piece of sunshine, let's go on to the news fuse. (laughs) Yesterday, we told you about a survey that said Sprint customers are the happiest people in the world, or at least the happiest wireless subscribers in the U.S. And there's a good chance that they weren't actually very happy last night when Sprint experienced a very unpleasant outage because SMS and voice services were out, at least for some folks. Sprint said the outage affected very few people and it was only for an hour and now everything's fine. Or if you prefer the Rastafarian version, no outage, no cry. That was a TLDR right there. Yeah, Too long that's exactly day. it. When you try to connect to a third-party app with Twitter, you'll see more info than you used to. Twitter users will see a bullet point list of what permissions you're giving to applications. Also, if an app doesn't need access to DMs, well, it won't anymore. Devs have till the end of the month to get their apps compliant with new with Twitter's new privacy scheme. Mm. If you're one of those people who just can't upgrade your phone because you're so worried that something's Better is going to come out as soon as you buy that phone. You're going to be like, why did I? You'll appreciate this or maybe this will make you crazy. Last night, T-Mobile's 2011 roadmap was leaked. July's looking good with the HTC Double Shot, the BlackBerry Monza. And if you've been waiting for a T-Mobile BlackBerry Touch, that's coming August 17th. The whole list is up at thisismynext.com. And believe me, it's, it's really thorough. It's almost like an influx of phones. It's a flood of phones. So enjoy the anxiety of choice because you've got it. You know, it turned out yesterday we got lied to. Vodafone New Zealand lied to everyone on its official Twitter page. They told us that a shipment of Xperia plays were stolen. But that's the opposite of true. They, they had a spokesman talk to the Australian, which is a newspaper, and said the whole thing was made up for marketing purposes. <sighs> marketing purposes. For shame. Now, I'm it's not, not even April Fool's. I'm not advocating continuing a lie. But, I mean, they said, hey, we had a bunch of Xperia plays stolen. You know, and I went on my pirate rampage yesterday and then they just sort of say, nah, we just made that up. I mean, they've was, ruined your mental just, picture. It's like the worst story ever of pirates. Yeah. Rim has sold about 250,000 Blackberry playbooks, tablets since its April 19th launch. So says an RBC analyst anyway. If this is true, Rim's playbook is handily outselling the Motorola Zoom, though it's still well below RBC's earlier projections of 4 million playbook units in 2011 and 6 million units total in the playbook's first 12 months on the market. With these numbers, maybe that story about the 1,000 units that were defective may not be that few of a number after all. Very small amount. Hey, Apple and Google, remember how you got called into a Senate Judiciary panel last week because of questionable location data practices? Well, Washington, D.C. isn't done with you yet. The FCC and FTC will be holding a public forum next month to explore the risks and benefits of location-based services. Of course, Google, Apple, and wireless company execs are invited to tell their side. Okay. All right, Apple rumor roundup time. Woo! You ready? Get your lassos. Rumor number one. Digitimes is reporting that the MacBook Air is expected to get Sandy Bridge processors and Thunderbolt in June or July. Rumor number two. For the 10th anniversary of Apple in retail, Apple is creating the Apple Store 2.0 that will include startup sessions for when someone buys a product and paper signs in stores will be replaced by iPads. It's like the future over there. iPads instead of a sign that says MacBook Pro. Is that going to take up a lot of room? Maybe they're mini iPads, like iPod Touches. Oh, yeah. Amazon just rolled out 
trade in beta. You'll be able to trade in movies and TV stuff like DVDs and electronics for an Amazon gift card. You can already trade in things like textbooks and video games. They had that for a while. Uh, the money will be deposited into your Amazon account. You tell Amazon the condition of your stuff. Amazon gets you a shipping label and you get money. This is concept. This concept sounds really familiar for some reason. I just don't know hmm. who else does anything like that. No idea. Hmm. You just have to come back to me. Okay. Maybe it'll come to us tomorrow. Finally, <laughs> robots, they're talking to each other and they don't need us to help them learn. What are you talking about? Yeah, apparently um, at the researchers at the University of Queensland um, and the Queensland University of Technology created uh, robots that uh, navigate through a maze. And the robots had a database of syllables that humans had programmed uh, into them that were used to create names for locations in the maze that then the robots could communicate to each other like we're going to this location kind of a thing. So, for example, um, one of the robots would spit out a word it had created for the center of the maze. In this case, it was the word Jaya. And then both of the robots, once it said Jaya, would go to that location. And then from there, if they if they both met at the same place, they'd kind of agree, okay, the center of the maze is called Jaya. So it's like they've got their own little unspoken language that they're communicating with each other about where to go. It's a spoken language. They can tell each other what's going on. Yeah, this they is, actually make audible noises. That's great. So now they can just, we can hear them say horrible things before they kill us all. See, it's funny because you read this and you were like, this is horrifying. Yes. And scary. Mm-hmm. And I read this and I was like, little robots, Jaya, let's go to the center. Oh, of you're the just maze. hoping that the syllables are programmed like Jaya. It's a Jaya. 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 Kill. <laughs> These robots are really small and cute. They look like little Roombas. I don't know. I That's guess how they I get you, Sarah. I, I know. I, I know. It's just. It's funny. Depending on how you interpret it, this is either really awesome. The robots are learning. It's like little kids, or frightening and scary. Jaya. <laughs> Maybe onto the calendar. Yes, onto the calendar. The tunnel releases on BitTorrent today. And if you're like, what's the tunnel? That's an Australian movie uh, that will be available for free legal download via BitTorrent. See, BitTorrent is not all about piracy and stealing. It's about uh, free Australian movies. It's about free movies. Yeah. Windows Phone 7 users, we've got some bad news. And you might want to sit down for this. Angry Birds has been delayed for you until, wait for it, and you're going to have to wait for it. June 29th. <gasps> the original release date was scheduled for May 25th, so this is you know, a month and some change afterwards. You could play it I on mean, the I mean, you're going to survive. Yeah, there's only 80,000 platforms you, that have. You, you will live. You just might be kind of bummed. Or you'll have a lot more free time because you're not playing Angry Birds. We got an email from Jonathan West, uh, who's apparently located in jonathanwest.net, which I think is somewhere in Wisconsin. I'm just making that up. <laughs> Hi, TNT crew. You guys were asking why developers don't develop for HTTPS all the time. I work full-time doing professional web development, and there are two major reasons. One, processing power. To encrypt and decrypt every request takes processing power on the server side. By using HTTPS, the developer is shrinking the level of requests that their server can handle before they have to start worrying about scaling. Two, HTTPS requires SSL certificates, and those certificates have limitations. In order to operate HTTPS sites, it requires an SSL certificate. A fake unofficial certificate can be created for free, but that sort of negates the whole point of the certificates if that becomes the norm. Official SSL certificates cost money every year and require a dedicated IP address, and that is why developers don't go with HTTPS by default. Well, um, it sounds like the short version of this is it's expensive, 
and time consuming. Mm. Um, but uh, thanks, Jonathan. I mean, that was That's a really a good answer. explanation well, of something that. Yes. However, when you take companies like Google and Twitter and money, like why aren't they doing it then? I can understand for the little developer, you know, for the the little companies that developers are working for, but the big ones, like that, should just be a given. We don't forgive you, concerned. Google. That's what we're saying. Yeah. Well, they have to worry about scaling, Jason. Like no. Google doesn't have like scaling a scaling is a service. big issue for Google. That's now, I, I get your point. I mean, it's, it's it's hard to be like, poor Google. It's just, it's you know, it's, it's too it's, expensive. It's, it's, poor Google. Know, like, so much load on the servers. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, great, um, great explanation, yeah, Jonathan. Thanks so much answer. for that. Mark uh, in Texas also emailed us and said, I watched Tuesday's show and I'm a bit surprised nobody mentioned that although Sony is giving away older games, this of course is the apology package welcome that back. we were talking about yesterday, the welcome back package. They're doing so because a free, a free service was down. Have we really come? to expect handouts when absolutely free services have gone down. I don't think the package is an insult or a mistake in any capacity for the free PSN users, but maybe they should provide the PlayStation Plus paying members a better additional bonus. Love the show. Now, we didn't mention well. that it was free, but I think you brought up, sorry, you brought up the point that... Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't think that the, the fact that it was a free service is really the point. No, the it point isn't. Is, it was is the that breach of trust thing. A breach of trust, uh, privacy information, and possible identity theft. Yeah, I mean that's it's the leak of all the information, all the private uh, yeah. personal information, you whether anything. you paid for it or Clearly, not. Clearly, that's the argument. You didn't pay yeah. anything, so, so why should you expect any privacy? Yeah, you were using a free service. You asked for. There it. you go. Is that what you're saying? No. <laughs> Good. I'm not saying anything of the sort. <laughs> Mark is saying this in Texas. All right, we've come to the end of our show. I'm going to let you off the hook before this gets any weirder. I as. Okay. Okay. I will accept that. Good. I'm glad, lawyer. Uh, but thanks so much for joining us. You can email us, TNT at twit.tv, or of course, uh, send us a voicemail. We haven't played any of your voicemails in at least two days now. 260, rather, TNT show is the number to call. And uh, Keep them short, keep them smart. 30 seconds, because I have to listen to all of them. That's right. Ayaz is, I'm the he guy. has no time for your long-windedness. Until tomorrow, thanks for watching, everybody.